Hello. Hello. Hi, Sunny. How are you doing? Hi. <laughs> I'm doing so well, Andre. How are you? I am great. Bringing the energy. <laughs> I wonder sometimes if Sunny gets freaked out because I call, I'll call Sunny, right? So you can start recording. And I'll be like, hey, what's up, girl? How's it going, queen? What's up? Tings, tings, tings. And then we'll start recording and I'll be like, hey! And so sometimes I wonder if that causes cognitive dissonance in her or not, but whatever that's what we have here no Hi. no i think i think it makes sense i think we're our authentic selves um <laughs> to our listeners too i think we're yeah we're more authentic when we're recording because the crazy comes out we have to make it come out otherwise it's not entertaining so hmm. F- funny to think we're really about just a couple of theater kids being given rain to be dramatic you know it it's- also it's funny that you mentioned that i was never um in theater when i was in high school but i always hung out with the theater kids um mm-hmm. man what a bunch of nerds but also (laughs) you know i can really see that for you i can see that for you so much because i see you as like being drama but not being drama the way theater kids are you know like (laughs) maybe i was just like having drama but compartmentalizing it (laughs) thank you thank you i'll choose to take that as a compliment um hi everyone welcome to today's episode today we are doing a second part to our unsolved mysteries episode and we are very excited to bring that to you um i i certainly have some good stuff sunny i uh i didn't ask you to tell me what you got so i am uh i'm gonna be very surprised whatever it is that you've got i I can't wait um uh, but first uh Actually, how are you? And also, please tell me how your Halloween was. Ooh, good question. So I am doing well. I'm hitting a lot of landmarks in my life. Um, I'm about to move, actually. I have a car now. Ooh. It's well, just a like, car yeah, at 14? it's all kind of hitting at Dude. once. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not even legal to drive yet, so... <laughs> Um, it's been fun though, and my Halloween was wonderful. I attended a get-together that was about six people, so I think it's like, I haven't seen people very much during Corona, we've tried to be pretty safe, so I think it was okay. Um, although in general, of course, to listeners, strongly recommend social distancing, being careful, it does make a difference. Um, and it was fun, it was super fun. Are you telling me you attended a super spreader event of six people? Um, (laughs) cancelled. Hello? No, I mean, I think... If you have to cancel me, do it. <laughs> Get it ready. over with. I'll lay my neck out on the block. Oh, um, I heard you dressed up as a very interesting character. Is that right? Yes, I dressed up as Velma. Um, based on my haircut, there's only so many people I can be. That Those two people being Velma and Dora. So, <laughs> Dora the Explorer. So, um, Are you letting that girl out, by the way? <laughs> Or are you keeping Um, the look? You know, I think I'm going to keep the look. I've been growing it out, not intentionally, but just because there's no corona cuts. And um, we'll see. We'll really just have to see what my mood is. Someday I'll probably just get an impulse and chop it. Okay. Well, speaking of corona cuts, something we're all cutting out of our lives, apparently, partially due to the coronavirus crisis, is President Donald Trump. (laughs) Um, Today is November 6th. 
and uh, we have been mm-hmm. what? Well, what, what is it? Three days, right? Three days into this kind of yeah. election limbo, where we don't actually know where the kind of where the where, where the needle is going. I mean, I think I think we I think I have a pretty good idea just from what I've seen. It looks like Biden's gonna win, but um, yeah. it's kind of nerve-wracking to just be in limbo you know totally totally well that's the thing i think he had about 200 and i think it was 64 confirmed Mm -hmm. um with arizona and the real toss-up was nevada because nevada has the six votes it would take for him to get majority and they're leaning blue but then we woke up this morning and pennsylvania and georgia were also leaning blue so at that point i felt more more certain at least that it would be going Biden's way because at this point he only has to get Nevada, Georgia, or Pennsylvania, all of which are leaning blue with the mail-in ballots, um, and all of which I assume will get more blue as more bill and as more mail-in ballots are counted. Right. Um, which was a surprise, big surprise. I did not think Georgia would go that direction. I read today a little bit about. I think Stacey Abrams was a big activist who did a lot in Georgia. So. Well, shout out to her, shout depending out, on your side, I Thanks. guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, we definitely don't want to alienate any listeners, but um, mm-hmm. um, yay, Biden's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, based on yeah. their personal opinions. Mm. <laughs> yeah, is anyone surprised? <laughs> like the communist and the gay boy, like, hello. Um, so... <laughs> No, but what I think is really interesting is... It took me a second for me to realize you were talking about us. I was like, I didn't think Biden was gay. And then I was like, wait. No, no, no. So God, I'm um, really too slow to be podcasting. Okay. Yeah, wake up, Sunny. Drink something. So the thing, though, is I wonder if there's actually going to be, like, legal repercussions to this. Mm. That, like, Donald Trump is going to try to throw Biden's way if he does win the election um because totally totally i've already seen the gop in georgia i think trying to sue mm-hmm. yeah yeah which is just so like sore loser vibes to me but okay <laughs> no um, no it like actively reminds me of my nieces they'll be like i want to play the game so that each person gets a turn and then we'll play it with one of them and the person who's just got a turn will be like no, no, we should play it so that each person gets two turns, and then we switch. Right. And then if we switch, and we switch to the other person, the other person's gone through a turn, and they're like, no, no, we should switch back to just having one turn per person. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're constantly trying to change the rules. Like It's like, it's the same mood so strong. It's the same, same mood. Um, Precisely. Yes. And, and, you know, I also, I think that both parties are terrible and hypocritical. Um, and as someone to the, to the far left, I actually think I relate a lot to... Um, to some of people's criticisms of Democrats and whatnot, but um, I do just think the sad part in all of this is I genuinely believe if, if it were Republican ballots coming in late, Donald would be 100% like, look at the look at the angry Democrats. Uh, we need to support the American system and get in all of our ballots. I just think it's sad how clearly hypocritical both parties at this point are willing to be, just for the party line. You know, like. Yes, we should count all ballots. Why is that even a question? What? Uh, <laughs> I think that what makes it tough is that both parties are so invested at this point mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah. like, for example, I could definitely see if we had, if, if we, if, like, Democrats had a majority in the Senate and in the House of Representatives, I could see them trying to expand the Supreme Court. 
which um, based on, you know, trying for constitutionality and fairness and whatever, it'd be like, no, obviously we don't expand the Supreme Court. But then you have the move with Amy Coney Barrett, and no one had ever confirmed a Supreme Court justice that close to an election ever before. So it's kind of like a d dirty moves lead to other dirty moves. So what I'm saying, I just see both parties, I can, or I'm not surprised by both parties doing things that are kind of shitty in response to the other side. The thing is, I think it's such a signal of the polarization of parties right now, not just in terms of um, actual difference in policies that they're pursuing, but how divided people are across political lines. I keep seeing memes that are like, um, from both sides, that are just plain petty. And here's the thing, I, we've discussed this before, it's something I understand more from the Democratic side because there will be things like, black people are dying from police shootings and then other, and, and then folks from the right might say like, no they're not, they deserved it. That's something I understand getting angry over. But then you'll have memes that are just like, or I like listen to Fox News sometimes because my family will play it. And they're just plain saying like liberal bimbos over here being snowflake idiots who, you know, can't even put two and two together. And it's like, why do you have to be that mean? Why do you have to be so disrespectful and indecent all the time? I mean, listen, you know, I we just... did establish last episode that I am a hot, blonde, skinny bimbo. So that's not completely <laughs> off. Also, I'm terrible at math. So about putting two and two together, I, you know, that's not completely inaccurate. It's just such a sad political situation. And while I definitely lie on one side, now that I'm with family, you know, my Uncle Gary is ultra conservative. And it's just more clear to me why the sides are so split and um, and how sad it is that there's not that we can't communicate somehow and that we end up with someone like Trump representing the conservative side. I mean, I know that not all conservatives can enjoy that, um, especially the ones who have really watched and internalized what he's doing. Anyways, those are those are my thoughts. So. Right. So Agree that was, we do not stand. <laughs> that was Politi Talk, um, episode three. I hope you guys liked it. Uh, if you have any more <laughs> future episode ideas, please do let us know. Um, uh, now on to... Uh, a couple of spooky unsolved mysteries. Um, Sunny, if you'd like to start us off, I'd love that. Ooh, okay. I have a good one to start us off with. And the cool thing is that this is technically a solved murder mystery that is unsolved because of how the murder was solved. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, born in the Philippines in 1929, Teresita Basa had moved to the United States in the 1960s to study music. First of all, that's so freaking cool. Imagine moving to the US in the 60s to study music. That's like, just so cool. I think anyone who studies music is cool. Any woman who's already doing that in the 60s is woke as hell. Mm -hmm. Also coming from the Philippines. I just like her already. Mm -hmm. um, so she eventually became a respiratory therapist. I guess music did not work out in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> and she was described as quiet and assuming. But she ended up being the victim of a violent crime. So at 9 p.m. on February 21st, 1977, the fire department was called to put out a fire in her home. In the blaze, they found her and she was naked under a burning mattress with a knife in her chest. So eventually they come to the conclusion that this fire was probably set up to cover up for whoever had murdered her. Um, and there is evidence that she seems like the victim of a sexual crime, even though it was determined from her body that she hadn't been raped. So it seemed like this weird thing where it was like, based on the evidence, based on what she was wearing, it seemed like she was a victim of a sexual crime, but there was no evidence of rape. And there's this fire that's been set, but they can't figure out who it is that killed her. And there's the only piece of evidence left behind that gives a more specific lead is a memo that states, get theater tickets for AS. And it says A period S 
which stood mm. for ass. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, I guess it does technically, but <laughs> essentially, so that their only lead being get theater tickets for AS, the police try to pursue some leads, but nothing quite makes sense. And essentially what happens is that more than five months after she's dead, Teresita's co-worker, known as Remy Chua, also from the Philippines, and her husband, Joe, um, contact a detective claiming to have information about the murder. So according to Remy, shortly after the murder, she started to have visions and dreams where Teresita appeared to her, begging her to go to the police and tell them what had happened. And again, according to this kind of vision of Teresita that Remy is seeing in her head, there uh, she continually tells her to, that her killer's name was Alan Shorey, which again, thinking about the evidence, A.S., his first name is Alan, last name is Shorey, so his initials are A.S. Mm. So the voice claims that, yeah, that Shorey was an orderly that worked at the hospital um, and that he had murdered her. And they urge, and the voice essentially, assumingly Teresita's voice, urges her friend and co-worker Remy to go to the police. So at first, they decide not to go to police because it's ridiculous. Um, but then, essentially what's happening is that, to be more clear on this, Remy is asleep oftentimes when this is happening, and she speaks in the voice of Teresita to Joe. That is how these visions go down. So essentially this happens a second time, where in Remy's sleep, she is, the idea is possession, right? She speaks in a voice that doesn't sound like hers, it sounds more like Teresita's, asking Joe again, why didn't you go to the police? Take, uh, go to the police and speak about Shori. So finally, they go to the detective, who obviously is skeptical, but he does do a background check on Alan Shori, and he did find that Shori lives close to Teresita. Um, then he asks around at co-workers, and they confirm that Shori was actually going to Teresita's apartment that night to repair her television. So at that point, the detective thinks, huh, maybe there's something to this. So he brings Alan Shori in for questioning, who confirms that he went to her apartment. And then Shori attempts to claim that he didn't have the tools to fix it, so he went home. Um, but the detective doesn't believe that, and he contacts Shori's girlfriend. So he asks then if Shori had given her any jewelry recently, and she said that he had. Now, again, here's a note. The voice had been telling assumingly Teresita's voice, had been telling Remy slash Remy's boyfriend Joe that Shori had given jewelry to his girlfriend. Um, so finally, Shori's girlfriend allows the detective to investigate, and the detective finds that some of the jewelry had originally belonged to Teresita. So confronted with that evidence, Shori now confesses, and he admits that after he left her apartment, he makes a plan, he returns, he robs her, he attacks her and um, disrobes her, so he takes off her clothes and leaves her naked to make it look like a sexual crime. Um, he places the mattress over her body and sets it on fire, and that's how the fire happens. So despite confessing, he eventually pleads not guilty, and there's a mistrial and then another trial, and at the end of the day, Alan Shorey is convicted, and he receives a 14-year sentence, and he was released on parole in 1983. Um, which is actually kind of wild, because that's just a few years later. Um, yeah, that's only six years after the murder, now that I've actually put the pieces together. So he was released somewhat early. Um, but that is the story of Teresita Bassa and the wow. really strange psychic case around her murder. Yeah. That is pretty crazy, dude. Like, they found her body, 
under a burning mattress with a butcher knife buried in her chest. Yes. That's a lot. That's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yes. And then for her for her coworker to be speaking in her voice to her boyfriend while asleep saying investigate Alan Shorey. Uh yeah. <laughs> pretty wild. Pretty <laughs> wild. I felt yeah. Man, maybe she was like into some magic shit back in the Philippines. Like she or she was a psychic or something something that allowed her to like be able to communicate with people like with the living once she passed cuz I don't know that all ghosts have that ability. Um Yeah, to, like, right? Cuz otherwise we'd have a lot more solved mur- murder right. cases. I like think. yeah, I don't think all ghosts have the ability to speak to people without being uh summoned like without a séance. So that's a lot. <laughs> it's kind of insane. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too. And there's no, there's nothing in this article about the extent to which Ter- Teresita or her friend Remy believed in the supernatural, um, which makes it pretty, I mean, it makes it pretty interesting. It's a, it's a mystery for sure. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you for that, Sunny. That was pretty spooky. I, I, I like that. For sure. Moral of the story, keep in touch with your supernatural side so that when you're murdered, you can come back and tell a friend. <laughs> but, like, I mean, it, this one's kind of solved, though. I don't know that I call it an unsolved mystery because we know who did mm. it. Um, I mean, we don't know. Mm. We don't know if it's true that Teresita was indeed able to communicate with the living via, you know, all this shit. But, like, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we, do have a, we do have a culprit. So, in that sense... I mean, which is good. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it's solved. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, so, okay, I have something a little bit different for you. This is this doesn't really involve people at all. Unsolved mystery Ooh. number two. Here we go. This is the bloop. Have you ever heard about the bloop? No. Okay. So I remember I actually mentioned the blue briefly when you were talking about the wow signal uh, a couple episodes back. And I was like, oh, that reminds me of the bloop. Maybe I said that off off air. But um, so here we are. <laughs> we're talking about the bloop today. So Sunny, the bloop was yes. a powerful ultra low frequency underwater sound of uncertain origin detected by the national ocean and the atmospheric administration in 1997 in the south pacific so the reason this reminded me this reminds me of what you were talking about is because when you were talking about the wow signal you were talking about this mysterious radio signal that was pretty strong and kind of like weird looking um well weird sounding weird looking when you put it on like a spectrogram is what i mean um and 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 then scientists gonna figure out exactly where it came from or if it meant something or if there was intelligent life behind it similar to this um so, so similarly the the bloop is uh, some people will say that it's solved I I don't know. I don't completely disqualify the original theory. And the original theory is the following. That this bloop sound was made by a gigantic marine mammal. Probably like four or five times the size of a blue whale. Um, because this sound, this sound was um, picked up by a lot of underwater mics uh, across a very long range of ocean. Like the scope was very large that so this sound is picked across and so scientists were like okay the sound is huge something huge must have made it and that's what they came up with um years later um the same um 
uh, administration, the NOAA, the National uh, Ocean Atmospheric Administration, has kind of um, uh, backtracked that a bit and say that they actually think that the sound might be consistent with noises generated basically by like huge glaciers underwater um, a, or an ice quake, which I just found out is a thing. Um, and that they think that that must that could have been what caused that sound back in 1997. There's an actual um, audio recording of this you can find on YouTube. I actually, <laughs> actually, I'm gonna interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna insert it right now. And that audio recording, um, you can hear it over there. It's just like silence, and then like bloop. And it doesn't sound like very loud or anything really, but um, it's the fact that that could be heard across, like I said, that that was picked up by many underwater microphones along this like huge, like vast space. And so ba basically I read somewhere that you, it was comparable to like, if you were in the central US, you'd be able to hear the sound in Northern Canada or all the way down to Colombia. So like that's the Whoa. diameter, right? So that's insane. Right. Like you probably wouldn't hear it very loud if you were in Northern Canada, if it was coming from the central US, but you would still hear it. You might hear a little. Yeah, you'd, you'd hear, you'd you'd hear still a little. Hear it. Yeah, and the fact that you'd still be able to hear that so far away means this thing was huge. So, of course, me being me, hello, um, I think it was actually a huge, monstrous, <laughs> whale-like mammal that's ready to eat humans. Um, uh, that, that, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think that the whole thing about, like, ice calving, or like, not an ice quake, basically, um, it does make sense. And so, in a sense, I guess I also failed and, and failed to bring you guys an unsolved mystery because you could say it's solved. However, like, like the original explanation, like I said, is not disqualified. And I just want to believe that there is this huge fucking cryptid that is just like, you know, just waiting to be discovered and that it is five times as high as a bubble whale. That's what I choose to believe. And that's where we are today. So that is super interesting. I've actually found the same that in searching unsolved mysteries, I end up finding things that would fit in other episodes. So I also found a cryptid thing and I was like, do I say it now? Do I save it for when we talk about cryptids? Like, is it, cause that is wild to think about just a ginormous underwater creature large enough to make a sound that big. Like God forbid we ever came into contact with something like that. I know, um, I know. <laughs> like, do you, do you can, you, can you actually conceptualize how big a blue whale is? It is big, it is very big. <laughs> um uh, and now that time is five so okay something else i should mention that kind of actually like um validates my theory a little bit more is the fact that um while this the the new ice calving or ice quake theory comes from the fact that the sound um was detected and once it was analyzed um, the this administration, right? This ocean administration was well, like, okay, so we've we've been monitoring this and we've been analyzing it, and it looks like the sound is consistent. I don't even like the science behind this is too complex for me to even try to explain. But basically, they have equipment that allows them to compare what the blue sounded like with like the sounds of um, huge glaciers moving, and they were like, okay, the sound is consistent with this. I don't even know how they figure that out, but that's where the new theory came from. However, 
It's also been argued that the patterns and the variations within the sound can also indicate an animal origin. Like, it basically, at the beginning, the theory was it was an animal. But then later on, it was, no, it was probably an, an, a big glacier. Basically, what I'm saying is, the original theory exists, right? So big, big, big whale did this or whatever. And then years mm. later, you have you have the scientists find that the sound can also match with the, the way a glacier moving sounds. And it's like, okay. Mm. The thing with that, though, is that doesn't disqualify that this also sounds the same way that a big animal making uh, a sound sounds you so know? it's a vague sound we don't know exactly it's not necessarily that it's a vague sound it's, it's actually quite specific i would say but it's the fact mm. that it matches two different things and in 1997 we were only able to figure out that it matched one thing that being something of animal origin and later on we figured out that it also can match a glacier the sound of a glacier moving but gotcha. that doesn't that doesn't make it so it's unmatch. even more unsolved <laughs> exactly totally, totally. <laughs> it doesn't make it unmatch the original sound so it could still be either it's just that now there isn't just one explanation there's two and the second one is very boring so <laughs> interesting even that though is kind of interesting because that would mean that there was a huge enough ice quake then for that sound to, to travel so much like that's got to be kind of nuts i just read something today about um there being a time capsule that we put in the arctic that we didn't intend to see for another 50 years that was planted two years ago, and it just washed up, I think, in Ireland, because because global warming is just doing wait, God's work. <laughs> wait, was that a time capsule? Yeah, I, it was meant, it was, I think it was stuck in like an ice cap, so it was supposed to just stay there for 50 years. I'm not sure exactly why, um, but yeah. Have you ever done a time capsule? I don't think I ever have. I was thinking maybe I did one in elementary, but I haven't. And I kind of want to do it. It's a really cool concept. That's a really good point. I've never done one, but I found one more recently that said, I am a chrononaut from 2020. My name is Sunny Snell. You will time travel on November 6th. And wow. so today's a big day for me. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so... Just just one last note on this. Something interesting, just completely, like, not related to this, that I found out while reading an article about the bloop was the fact that uh, pistol shrimps that are only a few centimeters long apparently can make sounds as loud as a jet engine. So... <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, isn't that pretty crazy. Apparently, it's so maybe it's just like a normal sized pistol shrimp. Maybe I mean, or 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 or, or, a, or a larger size, but definitely not monster size pistol shrimp. Man, that could have been the bloop. Apparently, these shrimps make these super like loud ass sounds with their um with their claws. I don't I don't know how that can be so loud, but apparently this is a thing. I watched a video about it. Haha, -ha, you learned something new. So that is the bloop. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway thank you for your thoughts and that was the bloop what you got <laughs> well speaking of animals i have a very spooky animal story and you know what it's actually a lot like is have you ever seen the netflix show dark uh no but i've been told to watch it it's really good i i think you'd really enjoy it and i've actually not been able to finish it yet because i was logged out of my brother's netflix account and i'm too shy to ask him for the password again <laughs> but <laughs> Um, but I will be watching it, so I haven't been able to finish it, but it's really good. And there's this scene where you have a bunch of birds suddenly dropping from the sky and dying. 
just like a huge horde of them dying and dropping on the ground for no reason. And I remember thinking of that as such a weird, creepy, very poignant scene. And so it was surprising to me. I'm not sure if it's based on real life events or if the real life events just happened to match up with it. Knowing writers, I would assume it actually is based on this real life event, but that has actually happened before. So on New Year's Eve in 2010, in the town of BB, Arkansas, 5,000 blackbirds suddenly freaked out and slammed into buildings, telephone poles, and trees, dying instantly. No, um, I mean, no plausible explanation we now know, but at the time, the idea was that there were celebratory fireworks, which spooked them all, causing them to quote-unquote fly all over the place, and I guess slam themselves into objects hard enough to, to fall to the ground dead. So they were like, okay, wow. that's, that's pretty weird. Yeah, weird that that would happen. So that happened in 2010, right? But then, the next year, on New Year's Eve of 2011, despite there being a ban on fireworks, just to make sure there aren't more, like, mass bird casualties, this time, 200 birds die. But they're still doing the same thing. They're suddenly slamming themselves against nearby objects and dropping dead. So, of course, there are a lot of theories about this. My personal scientific theory, you can't see it, but I'm pushing up my fake glasses, um, <laughs> is that because originally 5,000 blackbirds died and 200 birds died this time, Oh, my theory is debunked. Wow, literally now that I say it out loud, my theory is debunked. I was going to say... Listen, I was going listen, to say that, that's good science, though. You know, you, you're advising... You're like, science is in the business of disproving all bad science. You're doing God's work. Thank you. Thank you. Originally, I thought it might be some kind of epigenetics thing, right? Because, like, there are a lot of new theories around things that, happening to, things that happen to you in your environment sticking around. So I was like, maybe these 200 birds died because their parents did the same thing and they suddenly got the instinct to do that because of this traumatic event. But that doesn't make sense because those 5,000 birds died, so it's not like they could have more more bird children that would do the same thing. I mean, maybe it could, but that's, is there like bird memory for this? But why would it happen exactly a year later on the same day? Um, and honestly, if birds had always been freaked out by fireworks, then why weren't there New Year's Eve bird deaths before 2010 too? How come this just happened two years in a row that specific day and why only in Arkansas why wouldn't we have this happen in other places that also have fireworks on on New Year's Day this, is, have this is too weird this is definitely intentional I think that in 2010 something like someone maybe made some machine to attract the birds to kill them all because they got off on that and then in like the year after they tried to do the same thing but they weren't as successful and so maybe they stopped um that's the best I got. It's like a like a like a like a cartoony like movie plot. That's the best I have. Doctor like, Doofenshmirtz like made some, a uh, like a bird no, killing exactly. machine. Exactly. Like a Scooby Scooby Doo villain is like, <laughs> you got me. I made a machine that made a sound only birds can hear that I causes know. them to die. And I would but have gotten know, away with it too if it weren't for these meddling kits and that hot hot Velma. So yeah. Jinkies. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I made an Instagram post. You saw this, Andre. But I got her catchphrase wrong. I said zoinks, which I'm oh pretty sure is God. Shaggy's. I know, I know. Everyone, please destroy me for this. Especially <laughs> giving a paranormal podcast and then getting Velma's catchphrase wrong. I basically just, you know, if I were a Christian, I'd be excommunicated by now. So, um, But yeah, I thought that was so spooky and so weird. And it also happens in this TV show for very specific paranormal reasons that I can't go into because I don't want to spoil the TV show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty wild and pretty 
pretty inexplicable. And I think that what this actually reminds me of is our last unsolved mystery about the American diplomats in Cuba mm-hmm. who suddenly were having this sound illness that they claimed was caused by one noise that they heard, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which was so freaky because it's like, A, you can't prevent yourself from hearing a noise. Like people don't have their ears closed most of the time, you know? Yeah. And B, who would think that just hearing a noise could cause you to have like the same significant, the same effects on you as a traumatic brain injury years into the future. So even if we did assume that someone just made some weird noise that birds could hear or something that suddenly caused them all to die, that's still really spooky. And like, why are they doing that? Are they doing an experiment in the hopes of being able to do the same thing to people? I mean, I guess that's a pretty big, spooky that's a pretty spooky. big jump to make, but Listen, it is pretty dang spooky. Mm. Everything you said reminded me of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. So I don't know <laughs> if there's a connection there. I just wanted to bring that up. Maybe he predicted it. Maybe there's um, someone took inspiration from that and was like, whatever caused the birds in that movie to go crazy. I'm going to try to replicate that in the real world and kill a bunch of birds. I mean, granted, in this movie birds were killing people which i think is the right way to go man humans just uh we need to anyway but um but you know a we twist need to chill on out that. on the killing animals thing yeah and uh, <laughs> a t- maybe maybe, yeah. maybe maybe the the real life criminal just kind of put a twist on that and was like no i don't really want to do that uh, but i do want to kill birds so just bringing that up also yeah. just bringing up the fact that mm. the birds has a lesser known sequel called <laughs> the birds to land's end um as in land is just ending because birds are taking over and they fly um uh, cool oh that's so so interesting (laughs) i really like that it's called that 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 was a really good tangent yeah it was um uh, like uh land's end made for tv and very poorly received so we don't actually talk about that and alfred hitchcock definitely did not direct that oh um yeah the actual director (laughs) who who we like the title we don't like the movie (laughs) yeah like the director that 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 made this film his name is uh, rake rosenthal and he actually um put in a pseudonym um when the when the movie came out like for the credits because he didn't want to be associated with this because i'm figure i i guess he he realized the movie was (laughs) <laughs> like that bad just Shut before up. airing it and that's so they had so funny change they changed the credits yeah that's actually so funny and so shitty too you're like <laughs> well i made this thing but uh now that i think about it uh that didn't turn out too well i'm just gonna go ahead and remove my name i know um, that's so funny i can't believe that um but speaking of birds suddenly dying and weird illnesses i have one more sort of weird mass like what the hell happened type of unsolved mystery. Sure. Yes. So this one is titled as Living Statues. So from 1917 to 1928, half a million people were afflicted with a condition that essentially what happened to them is that the victims were alive and conscious, but suddenly had zero control over their bodies, right? Completely frozen, body static, um, paralyzed, and... They called this the sleeping sickness, known as encephalitis lethargica. Keep in mind, this is half a million people. So (laughs) the comparison is over twice the people who have currently died from COVID um, from 1978 to 1928. Yes, um, were infected with this so-called sleeping sickness. So they first appeared in Europe, but then it spread around the world, reaching epidemic levels in North America Europe, and India by 1919, and about a third of those who had the illness died. So again, not being able to move to the point of of dying. Of the survivors, nearly half eventually found themselves unable to physically interact with the world around them, all the while fully aware of their surroundings. 
so they were occasionally capable of limited speech, eye motion, and even laughter, but they generally appeared as living statues, totally motionless for hours, days, weeks, or years. The, it's just nuts. And so the cause is unknown. One theory is brain inflammation triggered by a specific strain of streptococcus, so strep throat, the bacteria responsible for strep throat. Science's best guess is that the bacteria mutated, provoking the immune system to attack the brain, leaving the victim helpless. So this is actually, I can give a bit of a, a reference on this because this does happen with uh, viruses or bacteria. This happened to me. Mm. Sometimes your body creates uh, such a strong immune response that it becomes what's known as an autoimmune disorder, where the body attacks itself. So I got some kind of virus, which just, you know, you get like a rash and like a fever and stuff, when I was in my junior year of high school. And although no doctor could definitively tell me this caused your autoimmune disease, because you can't really make that causal connection just from one example. Um, but in my senior year of high school, I developed an autoimmune disease uh, called hypothyroiditis, where essentially my immune system had attacked my thyroid and it didn't work anymore, which caused me a bunch of problems. So it's very possible so that's why to, you look to like have that. autoimmune responses. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, so the theory here is that a lot of people were, I guess, getting strep throat or some form of this bacteria, streptococcus, and then the creepy thing is that their, their immune systems were attacking their brain, so they were paralyzed, which I think is actually still pretty spooky. But here's the thing, none of this explains why the illness disappeared and resurfaced occasionally. So it resurfaced in Europe in the 1950s, and it resurfaced in China 10 years ago when a 12-year-old girl was hospitalized for five weeks with the disease. That's crazy. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's totally something that you would have some kind of nightmare about and then be like, oh, well, that would never happen. And then only to find out that half a million people had that happen to them over 10 years in the early 1900s um, to the point where it was like epidemic level. Okay, so call me crazy, but this totally makes me think of the Weeping Angels and Doctor Who. Um, no, ex I had the same thought. Yeah, that's <laughs> such a I think that episode leaves such an impression on people. It did. I hate it. So, um, yeah, very interesting. I'd never heard about that. I I've heard of encephalitis, but um, never about this. Um, damn. Um, also, thank you for your explanation on auto autoimmune disorders. I... Um, um, I'm not being sarcastic. That's actually really interesting. And I had heard the term before, but I don't think I quite understood it. So thank you for your anecdote. Um, totally. Now, I want to talk to you about this pretty spooky, definitely still unsolved, this one for sure, mystery that I've known of for a couple of years. We haven't talked about it on this podcast, though. And it's really, really interesting. So just let me know your thoughts on this. So... They're basically, have you ever heard of Room 322? I don't think so, okay. no. So this mystery surfaced on Reddit a couple years ago, and there's no like murders or missing people, thankfully, at least not that I know of, but it's still weird enough that I want to talk about it. So um, a couple years ago on Reddit, there was this user that posted an odd experience that he had had while he was on a business trip. Apparently, his group had checked into this um, upscale uh, hotel called Zaza in Houston, and everyone was assigned to a normal room except for his colleague, who apparently found himself in this like creepy dungeon 
basically like straight out of a horror movie. I'll send you pictures. Um, that was otherwise known as room 322. So this room was one third the size of the other rooms and it had brick walls, a cement floor, chains attached to the bed frame, pictures of distorted figures and a skull adjoining the walls, which is super odd because this isn't a horror themed hotel and the other rooms that you know the rest of the group had, had checked into were normal looking rooms. So there's that. Uh, the room also had a large mirror right next to the bed and most unsettling of all this this room had a small portrait of like a smiling old man in a suit about the doorway that's like looking over the room i'll send this to you i'll send you pictures after the, after the episode but um when the colleague notified the front desk uh, apparently they said that there was a mistake and that that room was not supposed to be rented and they moved into another room um but like what <laughs> uh, okay yeah <laughs> so uh the, the the original poster uh then got in touch with the houston chronicle who called the hotel and got a statement from a spokesperson saying that apparently the room was a themed room called hard times quote unquote for guests who want a playful spin on a jail experience that's also a quote this explanation at least to me is pretty lame like considering that the room doesn't look anything like a jail um I mean, it looks spooky, but not like a jail. Like, jails don't have pictures on the walls of, like, deformed women and shit. Like, while the hotel, Sasa, does have a list of theme rooms for rent on its website, quote-unquote hard times, right, which is the name of this alleged room, isn't one of them. So how come you have this theme room? Which, like, theme rooms aren't weird. Hotels have theme rooms. But how come you have this theme room that isn't even listed on your website? Like, how what do you have this theme room that no one can rent? You know what I mean? So the explanation just doesn't. Totally. Exactly. So, um... Unless in, they have a secret menu, you know? <laughs> I hate that. I don't, I don't want a secret menu for rooms. That just doesn't <laughs> jive. It's, it's not food. Listen. So, um, apparently, in the, in the original Reddit thread, um, someone was able to determine that the guy in the portrait, right? Like, the, the, the picture that's hanging above the, the room door, uh, kind of like yeah. looking over the room, is a portrait yeah. of Jay Camo, who is a former executive with Stanford Financial Group, which is a Houston-based company which was shut down by the feds in 2009 for running a $7 billion Ponzi scheme. <laughs> it is also oh. noted that 322, the number of the room, is a significant number in the Skull and Bone Society which is a real secret society that's sick that exists to this day now the thing about secret societies kind of having wikipedia articles is weird to me because then you're not that secret but whatever um now to me this leaves the following questions and listeners please please do let me know if you if you agree with me since this room isn't listed on the hotel sasa website and clearly doesn't jive with the spokesperson's explanation of a jail theme what is its actual purpose? And also, what the hell is Jay Camo's connection with this room? Um, yeah, honestly, I think we should link the photos because I'm looking now at what you sent. And this is so interesting because it's like creepy enough to be creepy. Especially the photo of that guy is so random. Why would you just have a photo of some old man on your wall? Like he's a family member, you know, like, right. what? Um... <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, it still has this super nice bed. It's well lit. There's kind of a pretty mirror that opens up the room on one wall. It's weird that the floors look like a warehouse with the concrete. It's such a weird mix of like, B 
being well decorated and looking polished enough to be some sort of regularly used room, but having unexplained elements that I, I would almost right. wonder if it was used by a secret society or something. Yeah, that's very interesting. Especially because so, on the wall there's a skull for so what is yeah what is skull and bones what's going on? <laughs> um, so before I get into that, I'll, I'll say that um, the room looks good enough to be used officially if it's an actual theme room because oh it's supposed to have like actual like nice bedding and stuff but everything else is supposed to look creepy if it is indeed a theme yeah. room because you know theme rooms are supposed to be interesting whatever but like it's the fact that it's not listed on the website and that the totally totally the, like, desk person themselves after like you know it was reported that someone was staying there was like oh no you weren't supposed to stay there like what the fuck that's weird um also how did you accidentally put them there but whatever so yeah i want to note before getting to skull and bones is the fact that i couldn't find anything suggesting that jay camo or or his company had any business relationship with the with the sasa hotel um stanford financial group did hold a gala of some kind there while the building was still under construction but beyond that there's no relationship so it is really Really? weird that this guy's picture is on there Um, well while the building was still under construction i feel like that's kind of early to hold a gala somewhere yeah right that that is strange but i mean well you know give benefit of the doubt we'll say the, the the gala room was completed and everything else wasn't sure whatever fine um so skull and bones it's actually not that like creepy so skull and bones is actually mm. known as the order or the order 322 or the bro- the brotherhood of death which that sounds pretty spooky is an <laughs> it's just an undergraduate senior secret student society at yale um, oh yeah oh yeah oh I mean, listen i guess that isn't not spooky because god knows college kids are fucking weird and hazing rituals sometimes get satanic but as far as we know it's just like yeah it's just an undergraduate uh organization it's it's, it's fucking uh it's fucking model un or whatever so <laughs> you know like yeah, well, there you go thoughts on that um just whoa i wasn't expecting you to throw out that college secret society yeah i don't know in that case maybe either well here's the thing though yale like any sort of elite university largely has like very very wealthy wealthy folks and those are the folks most likely to get into any secret societies Mm -hmm. so similar to like what you'd expect whoa i just realized that the skull on the clock matches the skull in the photo on the wall oh my gosh andre <laughs> your your, your brain like i can see i can see like your, your, the brain just like turning right now yeah that is so weird there's a there's a wow there's a clock on the wall that has the exact same skull from the photo on the wall that's like across the room um Pretty weird. but i i just wonder if this is a room that's like exclusively used by college kids in this specific society to like get their kicks but even so would like a yale secret society be able to sustain enough people to exclusively rent out this room you know because you have to the hotel want to get payback for this room somehow well so that is just super interesting here's an interesting connection so speaking about Mm. societies and, and college some people think that there's actually a link between uh jay camo who went to uh, Stanford and Sasa president Benji Homsey that uh, could have been in the same or like a related fraternity in college. Um, apparently, Camo went to Louisiana State University 
um, before Stanford, which is home of Delta Kappa Epsilon. Uh, it's a fraternity. And uh, it's a very secretive fraternity. And apparently this guy was part of the same fraternity in, at his respective college, Benji Holmesley, the president of the Salsa Hotel. So people are like, oh, you know, speaking of fraternities and secret societies, maybe there's a connection between the guy that's in the picture and the owner of this hotel because they were in the secret frat. Maybe this is the room where they have like weird dungeon sex or something. I don't know. Um... <laughs> Yeah, this is it's, it's something important to point out. People are really trying to find connections between anyone involved with the Sasa Hotel and this picture on the wall of this room because it's obviously a very weird picture and it's the only mm-hmm. it's the only you know hanging thing on these walls that it's actually of a real person and isn't just a painting. So yeah, I, I'd also start mm-hmm. there if I was trying to look for clues for sure. Um, people have theorized that maybe it's just a marketing scam, um, but I don't think so because. What are the odds that, like, how did they know that this Reddit, it, like, let's say they paid someone on Reddit, like, they paid someone to take pictures of this room, and they try to viralize it. Like, how, it's risky, right? Because you don't know if this Reddit post is going to blow up or not. It ended up blowing up at the time, and it was, like, on the on the front page of Reddit. But there's no guarantee for that. Like, viral marketing is super hard to do because of its unpredictability. So, mm. I don't think so, but that is a theory. Um, I don't know, it does make sense to just... Because the thing with viral marketing, too, is that they have nothing to lose. Like, no such thing as bad press. So, you know, it's either, like, it doesn't blow up or it does. But if it does, it pays off a lot. Right. I mean, I guess there's probably no cost to that marketing campaign, right? Because it's just writing a fucking post. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Exactly. But, um, anyway, people have, yeah, a number of theories. Um, A couple I've mentioned. There's another one um, where people think... Um, this room is a theme room that is available. It's basically the secret menu <laughs> theory, which you actually mentioned secret menu. It's basically like that this room is available for people to rent, but you gotta like be in the know. And it's only for like BDSM, like couples or parties or weirdos that want, like it's. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the only other thing that maybe makes sense actually. Cause with the, but the thing is, why would you want a portrait of the CEO of some old Stanford financial group to be on your wall as a BDSM couple like that matches up with the chains and stuff I guess but I still don't get why there's that portrait of an old man there like such a specific old man that no one would want that in a hotel the whole point of a hotel room is that you keep things generic so that anyone can use it you know this photo looks like it'd be like a family portrait that you put in your home of like this guy's my granddad and he ran this Ponzi scheme 10 years ago you know (laughs) not like why on earth would you have that in a hotel room? That's just so weird. Yeah. It is pretty strange, which is what keeps taking me back to maybe the actual explanation is that there is some, like maybe this, well, no, I think the guy's dead, but like relatives of this guy do stay in that room and it's something weird, like something ritualistic, like something that has to do with him, like skull fucking, like, I don't know. It just, it makes me think it's something weird and private. And specific. And specific. Yeah. 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 Ugh. <laughs> so that's room 30, 322 <laughs> that was super fun thank you for sending me the images too because that made it so like what is going on <laughs> okay so this one i've seen come up in a few different spots and it's more specific to one person who got away with it there are a couple of unsolved mysteries that are in the the category i would call of like who pulled this heist who successfully got a ransom So this is one of those cases, and his name is D.B. Cooper. 
Okay. So this happened, yeah, this happened in 1971. Dan Cooper was a passenger on a Northwest Airlines flight from Portland to Seattle, which is only a 30-minute flight. Portland to Seattle, two peas in a pod, right? So he was described by passengers and flight attendants as a man in his mid-40s wearing a dark suit, black tie, and a neatly pressed white collared shirt. So he took his seat, lit a cigarette, remember this is flights in the 70s, so I guess that shit goes, and politely ordered a bourbon and soda, for which he paid cash. Shortly after takeoff, he handed a note to a 23-year-old flight attendant who ignored it, assuming it was the man's phone number. Miss, you'd better look at that note, Dan Cooper told her. I have a bomb. So the note's exact wording is part of the mystery because Cooper reclaimed it after the flight attendant read it. But his demands were for $200,000 in negotiable American currency, as he called it, which would be worth about $1 million today. He demanded four parachutes and a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the plane on arrival. So the flight attendant brought the demands to the captain. The airline's president authorized full cooperation. And essentially, the passengers had no idea what was happening because they were all told that landing was just delayed due to mechanical difficulties. So at 5.40 p.m. Dude, sorry. Imagine being in that plane and being one of the passengers and not knowing that, like, you could die soon. Literally. <laughs> like, Literally, everything's yeah. just super normal. And you're like, oh, my God, it's crazy. This is such a classic so- uh, case of, like, we're just not going to tell the people because they're going to panic. Which and honestly, I can't do. say. Yeah, I got to say in this kind of situation. So the plane lands, an airline employee delivers a cash-filled knapsack and parachutes, and Cooper allows all passengers and two flight attendants to leave the plane. Now remember, he required a refueling tank to be there on the ground right when they landed. So during refueling, Cooper outlines his plan to the, to the rest of the crew. They need to take a course towards Mexico with one more refueling stop in Nevada. So two hours later, the plane takes off, and when it lands in Reno, Nevada, shout out to Nevada right now, mid-election, um, <laughs> Cooper's, <laughs> so when, they, when it lands in Reno, they notice that Cooper is gone. So Cooper, who the media actually mistakenly referred to as D.B. Cooper, he should have been Dan Cooper, was never seen or heard from again. No parachute was found, and no one ever figured out, like, oh, he just used, he just dropped a million dollars on, like, a home or something. Like, nothing... No big purchases with that ransom money were found. So, in 1980, a young boy on vacation with his family in Oregon found several packets of the ransom money, which they could identify by its serial number, which led to an intense search for Cooper, but nothing was ever found. So, in the real world, a parachute strap was found in 2017 at one of Cooper's possible landing sites. So this is kind of an ongoing mystery, Hmm. but weird because... Yeah, weird that a boy would find several packets of the ransom money, because you would assume, you know, if he's trying to get off with the ransom money, he would at least keep that on his person. Well, but some but of like, that was found. What if mm. he parachuted out of the... I, get, I mean... And some, then the knapsack just flew out of the plane, open. But, like, somehow managed to, like, not have any parachute remains stay on the plane. And what if, while he was taking the money, parachuting down to Earth, um, he lost some of it, you know, and th- this kid just found it right right like it doesn't sound like this kid was um you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah i mean it is possible it's just um it's possible it's just like you would think that if he were doing it for the money that's what he would cling to the most because once the knapsack flies open if you're parachuting then a lot of the money probably fell out right at that point it seems like a very (laughs) precarious situation so Mm. I just think it's spooky that they found the money, because that could mean 
Like, what if something happened to him? Or what if when he landed, someone else knew that he had the money and came through and was like, uh-uh, not well, on they, my watch. They, they didn't find all the money, right? They didn't find all the money, right. no. Just that, just that. So, yeah, it could be just that, that some of it fell out. But also interesting that he was never heard from again. You would think, because I'm willing to bet that they put photos out of him based on what people's descriptions were, because they could see his face, that you would hear something about him. But who knows? And why why Nevada, where he decided to escape? He knows it's a good state. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. I've definitely heard of the D.B. Cooper, which is how he's famously known, even if that's not the right name. The D.B. Cooper mm. case before, I watched like, this very long, I think, BuzzFeed Unsolved video about it. And mm. there was there were sketches put out. Um, I, I did hear about some money being found. I wanted to reiterate that it wasn't all the money found. I wasn't sure on that, so thank you for clarifying. I'm pretty sure it wasn't, though. Um, but yeah, there were sketches put out, but I mean, the, all the sketches put out of him, he's wearing glasses because that's how he was seen uh... by the by the um, crew of the flight. And so, you know, the sketches can only be as good if that's the case, right? I mean, yeah. they're already cartoons. Now imagine not even having eyes on that. It's kind of hard to identify a face. And yeah, he was, he, was, he was never found. At this point, I think he'd be uh, old. <laughs> what? Yeah, he'd be super old. At yeah. least, oh, like 90. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Because he was described as like being in his late his 20s, 40s. early 30s. Yeah. Um, so... Ta-da. Yeah, I mean, getting away with something like that sounds pretty cool. I, I mean, I don't mean to root yeah. for the criminal, but also, if you're going through through such lengths and clearly jumping out of a plane, right, because there's no other way he could have escaped unless he got, like, in the cargo. I don't, I don't know. If you're going through such lengths, then I kind of do have to root for you, right? Because that's, I mean, it is a pretty big crime, but it's also a big risk you're putting yourself through. So yeah. I kind of want to root for you. And he didn't hurt anyone, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, technically. I mean, he did uh, allegedly. I don't know. I don't know if you have details on this. I certainly don't. I don't know if he mm-hmm. was like like um lying about the bomb uh, on the plane mm-hmm. hopefully he was so you know he's he's one of those yeah. um, empty gun yeah. criminals where like you know mm-hmm. the, the the barrel of the gun's actually empty and they just make you believe it is it isn't but like but if there was a bomb on the plane then bad bad cooper i don't like you anymore um totally yeah well thanks <laughs> you're so welcome um <laughs> Yeah, unsolved um, mysteries are super interesting. I love all the like weird illnesses and the bird. Uh, yeah, just you a love very weird fun illnesses topic. and you. the bird. Oh, me too. <laughs> and when birds just drop from the sky dead, you know, and when feet are just found on the on the shore, uh, disattached from their dude from their original bodies. Sounds like a regular Tuesday night for me, but um. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you liked this episode. If you did, please do let us know by DMing us at TalkScary on uh, Twitter and Instagram and at ScaryTalk on Facebook. You can also send us um, episode uh, ideas or, like, topic requests on those same platforms. And remember that you can listen. Oh, never mind. I said I wasn't going to say that. (laughs) This podcast is available everywhere. You should know that since you're listening to it. Uh, Sunny, (laughs) anything else? No, thank you so much for listening. And do know that when you DM us, it's super touching and wonderful. So thank you all. Have a great yes, night or yes. day. We definitely read all your DMs. So you um, go ahead and keep doing that. We will be back next week with another spooky episode. And remember that uh, the Mothman is real and he does want to fuck you. So good night, everyone. Thank you for listening. Good and night. Have a good one.